Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. Typically, when unexplained phenomena occur to us, our first thought is to be afraid, whether due to sensational films or a natural survival reaction. We have a choice to make, to either continue existing with the paranormal or do something about it. Today's episode contains stories about tellers who question if the entity is good or evil, and what should be done with it. Okay, ready to get spooked? Their ego opens today's episode with a reassurance from the other side. So I've always been involved in church, and my best friend and I were so close with a priest that was such a good person, cool and friendly. He did volunteering with us, and from time to time, we went for a beer. He was the coolest. Although I'm not Catholic, I once was, so we kept in contact with him, kept volunteering, and all that stuff. A few months ago, he became very ill. He already was because he was an alcoholic when he was younger, but that went worse. And he was visiting the hospital every week or so. Then he slept in the hospital for months, and then he finally died. It was a long time, and we weren't hopeful he would get better. We obviously went to his funeral, and later that day I hung on my bed one rosary he gave me years ago. Now, here comes the creepy part. Because every time I came home from work, the rosary was backwards. Not upside down. Backwards. The part with Jesus in it was facing the wall every single time. I was pretty scared, so one day I said something along the lines of, Is this you? If this is really you, show me please. It was completely silent for a moment, so I left the room to do my thing. Then I heard something, so I ran to my room, and the rosary had literally fallen off. I freaked out, but really, if it was him, he wouldn't want me to be scared. So I said to him, please don't keep that going, because I was scared. Days passed, and nothing more happened. We celebrated a mass, and we sang his favorite song. We all cried, and then went on with our lives. I've told this story to many people, and lots of them told me that probably wasn't him. That probably was something pretending to be him. But I don't think that. I'd like to remember that being him, trying to tell me not to cry and that he was okay. But I really don't know. What do you think? I can definitely understand that some might be skeptical because when objects are turned upside down, and sometimes even backwards, most assume it's demonic or it's poltergeist activity. And I'll admit for a second that I was thinking uh, that turning a whole rosary backwards was definitely a red flag. I reconsidered though after you asked for a sign and it did, then it respected your wishes after you told it to stop. So I don't believe a malevolent spirit would have done as you asked, or even if it did, it would start again, you know, later on down the line. But on our side, we're hoping that you feel some peace with the passing of your dear friend. Our next story is told by Aqualaco and involves a highly sensitive child. <laughs> 
My two-year-old daughter seemed to break an invisibility spell today. Even though I'm an atheist and extremely skeptical, I can't find another explanation for what happened today. My wife, my mother-in-law, and I spent the whole day looking for her pacifier. The three of us had already looked everywhere in the apartment. We looked several times under her crib, but after a couple of hours, she pointed under the crib and said it was there. It magically appeared in front of my eyes. I cannot understand what happened and maybe never will. This isn't the first time something crazy happened here. The other day, she pointed at an empty wall and said, there was a dead man there. We have never used this word in front of her. She wasn't even supposed to know this word. The other day, she pointed to the floor and said, a woman was there and we should take her to the hospital. Along with other strange situations like things disappearing or moving from one place to another during the night, voices coming from an empty room, lights falling when we talk about paranormal events, even while just joking, is driving me crazy. Okay, so this is a little triggering because my daughter, Tilden, is about to be two years old in May. And yeah, I'm not interested in any type of whatever she may be seeing on the other side. Hopefully she uh, can reconcile that on her own. I'm just kidding. Of course, I'll help her manage if she does see things, but I hope she doesn't. Sorry, I'm rambling. Anyways, it can be disconcerting when our kids are seeing things that we can't see. It can be suggested that this is poltergeist activity, which seems to be a trend this episode, but it can be attributed to your daughter manifesting it by accident. You can try demanding that it stops bothering your family if it really does become too burdensome. And I think by using the love and protection that you want to encompass your daughter in or your child in, that might be stronger than whatever malevolence is out there trying to mess around or show her things she shouldn't see. Ricky Mann tells us our next story about the cellar under the pub. Oh, man. I used to work in a very famous pub in York, known as the most haunted pub in England, where stories of witches, highwaymen, and executed prisoners were very well known. However, the experience I had turned me into a complete believer. To give some clarity, we had recently plastered all the walls in the cellar, no nails hanging out the wall, no handrails. There was nothing to catch yourself on. I was in the cellar taking stock to the bar to restock the bottle fridges. I'd gone up and taken the first basket up to the bar, emptied it, and went back down to the cellar. For some reason, I felt horrible, on edge, like I was being watched the whole time. I filled the basket up, put the cardboard into the bin, and headed up the stairs. As I was nearly at the top of the stairs, I was violently pulled from behind, which ripped my shirt and I fell down the stairs backwards, busting my head open. I spoke to the owner to see if anything like this happened before, to which she replied, no, but we're meant to go into the cellar in twos. So obviously I was really freaked out and refused to go back into the cellar. A few days went by and I was in the old York prisons where they used to hang prisoners for one reason or another. Turns out the cellar at the pub, before it was a pub, was used to hold executed prisoners for a period of time as it's naturally extremely cold down there. I worked for a couple years and never went back to that cellar alone again. 
I draw the line at violent entities that can cause harm. I completely understand why you would refuse to ever go back to the cellar. But can we possibly have the going down in twos conversation during day one of training? Like, I feel that should be the most relevant information when you start, even during the interview process. Like, hey, by the way, when you go into the cellar, go in pairs of two because you may be attacked by an entity. Not a big deal if you don't care, but like, what is your second person going to do? Like, is a ghost afraid to attack you if there's twos? I don't know. Anyways, so like I said, that seems like really important, pertinent information to have from day one. Our fourth story comes from Glitter Moss, who asked for advice on a recent encounter. Okay, so this happened yesterday night while cooking dinner, so less than 24 hours ago. For context, this is not the first time something in the realm of weird or paranormal has happened to me, but otherwise, I'm not into the paranormal stuff or actively trying to see things. I had a handful of experiences, but really spaced out over the years. So I was hanging out in my apartment, which I've been renting for a year now. My girlfriend was cooking in the kitchen and needed me to bring something from the other room, so I went. When I came back to the kitchen, my girlfriend was saying stuff to me, but I was not really able to concentrate because right off the bat, something felt weird and different in the room, and I was trying to figure out what. The air felt more dense, like there was actually three people in the room instead of two. At this moment, I was super aware of my body, and felt like a presence was on my right side. I cannot explain how the feeling felt, but I could feel some energy emanating from somewhere between myself and the wall of the kitchen. It was about a meter gap. I tried to stay still and really feel the room, and there was no doubt on my mind that something was off. So now is where I think I might be tripping. Maybe if instead of trying to follow my intuition, if I tried to snap out of it and forget the whole deal, I wouldn't have seen anything. But I swear to God, I looked at my right backside while the feeling dawned on me that there was definitely someone there. And I saw a freaking girl standing there. Now, here is how it went. I rotated my head and my body, and while I was making that movement, I saw her in the periphery of my eye. I didn't see a full 100% sharp image, but I saw enough to fill in the gaps in my head. I saw how tall she was. I saw that she was a girl no older than 12. I kinda saw her face and she wasn't even scary. I paid more attention to her upper torso and face area, but I also remember seeing some folds of clothes on the lower part that quickly disappeared. All these details I could see in a fraction of a second because as soon as I focused my sight on this figure, it disappeared. It was like looking through a glass at just the correct angle. This is not to say she went away. The corporal feeling from before was still there and stronger than ever now. All of this that I'm describing happened in the span of two to three minutes from the moment I entered the room until I saw that the figure was there. All through that time, I had chills down my spine, and I was so scared, but in a weird way. I knew there was no danger, but it felt so spooky. My girlfriend didn't notice a thing. I was pale and so shook after seeing that little girl there that I could barely keep it together. 
but for some reason I thought that I should act like nothing happened, so I kept helping my girlfriend with dinner. Like, I don't know, but telling her about the whole thing right then and there felt wrong. It took like 20 minutes for me to get from extremely scared to normal. I told my girlfriend what I saw this morning and she brushed me off and laughed. I'm honestly really upset about the whole episode and don't know what to make about it. On one hand, I'm wondering if this was a one-time thing or if there's any chance it will happen again. If so, how do I make it not happen again? Also, could this be real or am I tripping? I've lived in this apartment for a year and though the vibe is kind of off, I've never seen anything like this. I wonder if maybe I just imagined the whole thing. How does one deal with this stuff? Anyways, I appreciate any insight you might have and any advice as well. I can provide more info if needed. Thanks. Okay, I recognize that this may be a running theme in this episode, but my advice is what I've mentioned earlier. Just ask it to stop and inform it that this is your home now and it's not welcome if you don't like it there. And if you have access to like Palo Santo, I would recommend doing like an energy clearing and just really reinforcing that the space is yours and that only your energy and other good and positive energy is allowed in your space. That's what I do in my own home and it makes me feel a whole lot better, even if it's just like a placebo effect. So sometimes people are okay with having the presence remain in the home and coexist as long as it respects your wish to be left alone. You could also cleanse the home of any spirits, so you have plenty of options. And if there's anyone out there who's listening who has advice for glitter moss, feel free to let us know and we'll pass it along. Our next story is told by the scary lobster, who hasn't necessarily seen anything paranormal for themselves, but it sure seems like their animals have. So for context, I'm from rural Scandinavia. I'm a hunter, I'm 20 years old. I currently live with my family due to becoming very ill. And well, since moving in, I've noticed the farm animals' behavior has changed alongside odd happenings. Here, we're talking about horses, cats, and a dog, as well as some now dead chickens. I'll start out explaining the horse's behavior. So these are two castrated Mustangs and a mare, all fair-tempered animals who are very friendly. Recently, they've been getting absolutely frightened by something. We've seen them staring into the woods snorting, which is a fear and anxiety response, before blasting off galloping at high speeds trying to flee. And sometimes they have fled their pasture. Inside their stables, they've also been suddenly snorting and standing in the corner of their enclosures. The cats have all been seeming awfully anxious. We have two barn cats. One is a mix of inside and outside cat, and the other is an inside cat. The two outside cats are usually quite fond of people and are usually very comfortable in their environment. But ever since December of last year, they've stayed in their room and the saddle room almost constantly. When they do leave, they seem to be on edge, and I have seen them posture up and hiss at from what I could see was nothing. Nothing but a creepy feeling, which may just be from listening to the cat. Now, the mixed cat usually does not go off as much, but will at times seem fearful and will stick to us, which is quite odd since it isn't quite as people-friendly. 
The trouble is, it and the other inside cat have started to refuse to be downstairs at night, and sometimes they have hissed at something. The dog is a lovely golden retriever who's the biggest, kindest goofball who usually gets on people's nerves with his stealing and his strong belief in, if I fits, I sits, usually on people, so he is not at all an ill-tempered dog or badly socialized. It started with him sometimes staring for long amounts of times at scullery where he usually sleeps. The scullery has a door into the stable and barn, and it would slowly progress to him barking and growling at the scullery. This continued along with him starting to do it in the living room and the dining room. All this kept to being a daytime thing up until early January, when he would then sometimes do it around 2 to 5 o'clock in the morning, with his barking and growling becoming more intense. He has also stared at the same front door. The front door has a huge glass panel in it, so the dog can see through it. The chickens did not have any problems. Their behavior did not really change much except them foraging further away from the barn and house. Suddenly in December, we woke up to all of them gone from the chicken coop where they always returned. Now, I do think that this may be predator-based, but I still find it odd that we didn't find anything suggesting a predator took them with no feathers, no blood, and no signs of entry. I also have experiences with something I cannot explain happening, alongside the rest of my family. I would gladly share our experiences, but not right now, since this is focusing on the animal's behavior. So, I will ask you, the person listening, what are your thoughts on what is happening, or what it could be? Since, well, I can't explain it. an expert on these things, but my first thought outside of a predator is potentially a cryptid? Occasionally, we dabble in cryptids on this podcast, so we won't discredit their potential existence. But maybe look into what cryptid or folklore you have in your country, and I'd be interested to hear what you or anyone else might think about this idea, and what could possibly explain the experiences those animals had. Stars Air Pretty brings us our next story about a confounding but comforting presence. Recently, I have felt something following me around everywhere. I always feel like someone is watching me, and I feel a hand on my shoulder or head when nothing is there. So I keep seeing this thing when I'm outside. It doesn't usually talk, but I keep seeing it wherever I go. It's always behind a tree or hiding. When I was younger, I used to go outside to swing next to the huge tree, and I kept seeing a shadow figure stick its head out. But whenever I actually looked at it, it disappeared. It doesn't hurt or scare me. It's sort of like a father. It comforts me, and yes, it may just be an imaginary friend, but 
It feels real. I keep feeling it touch me on my shoulder and I feel it next to me, always beside or behind me. When I sleep and face the wall, I feel it behind me and there are times when I see it or hear it in a closet or in the hallway at night, but it never harms me. It says it brings no threats and it's comforting to me. I talk to it sometimes and during school I write about it and I draw it. I may be crazy, but it looks so real and feels so real. It's super tall, no face, no accessories, nothing on it. A shadow figure, really skinny, I can almost see its bones, and has a low sort of raspy voice. It's nice and kind. It has never made me feel threatened or scared. I feel happy, relaxed, and welcomed by it. I can never touch it though, but it can touch me. If I try to touch it, it fades away. It's not around me all the time, but he comes to me when I feel stressed or scared. No one else seems to see him, but I know I see it. Also, I don't just see him behind trees. Sometimes when I swing, I see him next to the road. Once I saw him next to the road somewhere else, but it was signaling me to follow it. I'm not sure if he's a ghost, a bad spirit, a good spirit, an imaginary friend, a shadow person, or anything else. Anyone who knows more about ghosts or might have an idea of what he or it is, please tell me. I don't want to get rid of it, but if you think I should, I want to know. You don't have to tell this entity to go away if you feel safe and want it to be around. It seems like it could potentially be a guardian of some sort since it tends to appear when you need it, like in times of fear or stress. Ultimately, what I hope is that it is a good-intentioned spirit that means you no harm. The other side of me worries that it's potentially working kind of like the long con to get you to get your guard down where it eventually takes advantage of you in some way. That is the pessimist in me speaking, but you never know. And so I hope that it is a positive entity, like I said, but Again, you know, we have these call to actions to our listeners who are listening and those who are invested in paranormal investigations and learning more about the paranormal world. So maybe somebody out there listening or knows somebody listening who has similar experiences to what you're experiencing, and they'll write into the show and let us know and offer some advice that we're happy, as always, to pass along. DJ 707 closes today's episode with a story about their childhood home that was once a school. Now, I don't know a ton about the history of my childhood home, but I know that it was old as hell and one of the creepiest places I've ever lived in. It was a four-story house. Fancy, right? With lots of dark spaces and long stairways. Basically, it was really big. There wasn't a moment in that house that I felt like I was truly alone, and there wasn't a hallway that felt truly empty. I was just barely out of toddlerhood when I started to develop severe anxiety. I was afraid to do anything alone. I was always checking behind me, sleeping with my head under the covers, seeing things, hearing things, you name it. I'm almost 100% certain there was something paranormal making me feel that way. I wasn't the only one seeing and hearing things, though. My older brother shared a room with me, and he always slept on the top bunk. His bed was maybe a foot away from the ceiling, and the attic was right above us. He told me that some nights, 
he'd hear adult footsteps right above his head, just circling the attic. But it gets weirder. He told me that at one point, he woke up next to a shadowy figure, just lying in bed with him. He claims the figure had two white specks for eyes, and that it wasn't acting malicious, just lying there silently. This might have been some kind of sleep paralysis hallucination, but considering the other events, I wouldn't be surprised if it was some kind of spirit. And now, on to the worst one. The playroom. That room was the creepiest freaking thing in the house, and I get shivers just thinking about it. It sat at the end of a long hallway on the top floor, just below the attic. My room was down the hall from it, and it was always pitch black. I remember staying up at night, staring at it, just in case something moved. I often couldn't take my eyes away in fear of something appearing if I did. Somehow, every time I looked at that doorway, the door was wide open. And the door wasn't weak either. It worked perfectly fine and wouldn't open unless you turned the knob. I'd ask my dad to close it before I went to bed, and it would stay closed for a bit until it just slid open again. I'm not a door specialist, but it was just arguably creepy. But wait, there's more. Now that we're older and out of that house, me and my brother found out that we shared a terrifying experience. We both saw something incredibly creepy in the same place. I remember it vaguely. It was a small, neutral, glowing white face in the playroom. It looked a bit like a little kid from my memory. It had no body, just a pure white face in the dark. It was around my height and its eyes were just kind of… not there. I don't remember much, but I remember it was the single most terrifying thing I'd been through. I didn't know if I had hallucinated or what, but I know it felt incredibly real at the time. Maybe it was a dream or something, because all I remember is seeing that freaking face, getting scared and running back to my bed. I don't think I screamed, but I seriously don't remember. I kind of love and hate thinking about it, because it just makes my hair stand on edge. Thanks to that house, I have now been diagnosed with anxiety. I am taking medication for it and I'm alright, but I thought it was worth noting. I could go on, but I can't really think of anything else right now. All of you who submitted stories today, thank you so much for that nightmare fuel, especially this last one. I'm not sure what it is about these big houses with all of those rooms, but they're infinitely scarier than an apartment. I personally don't think you hallucinated that since you said you experienced a lot of the same things as your brother. And honestly, when we're doing any type of research, including within the true crime podcast that I host, we always want some verifiable evidence from more than one source. So the fact that you and your brother shared the same experience just tells me that there was something going on that can't be explained. Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me, hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Twitter, for now, at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now or at hauntedpod.com. Production assistance by Jesse Hawk, writing assistance by Sherilyn Reyes. 
The official composer and audio smith for the show is Neeks at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that?